Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Bridge Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you will hear are both uplifting and challenging. Welcome to the Bridge. Ultimate Frisbee. How many of you guys like that? One, right? Yeah. I'm terrible at Frisbee. Anyway, um, so most of you guys know me. I'm Mike. I do junior high. Um, <clears throat> and so Jackson asked me if I would teach tonight, and I was like, oh, yeah, for sure. And this was like weeks ago. And then uh, a couple days ago, he goes, oh, you're teaching on Tuesday, right? And I'm like, uh, oh, yeah, okay. And he goes, oh, man, just just pick something out and, and uh, that you've done recently. And so, so that's what I did. And I and I just hope that um, God speaks through it to you guys. And you know, I was thinking about it as I was watching your worship. You guys are so different than the junior high in so many ways. And, but hopefully it still encourage you and maybe challenge you a little bit. So let me just ask you a question. Can one person make a true difference in the world? Right? And it seems like an easy question, but I don't know about you, but sometimes don't you just feel like there's just too many problems? You're like, what am I going to do about it, right? What can I actually do to, to make a difference or change, right? And it's just easy to uh, be part of the crowd and, and not really worry about it, you know? In fact, um, you look at the uh, election, and we're not going to talk about politics, but that being said, I think it was like the highest turnout um, in, in, you know, ever, and it was like 67% of the people voted. But you'll hear people go, I'm not going to vote. What? My vote's not going to make a difference. It was, you know, 13 million people voted, and, you know, what's one more? Well, you know, it makes a difference. But, but it's easy just to get into that whole routine of like, yeah, what, what am I supposed to do? You know, and, and can it really make a difference to anybody? And, you know, and then you do, you know, things that you see little things. Like, like I just read an article where this six-year-old, you know, got into McDonald's with his mom in the drive-thru and he paid for the person behind him. You know, how many, anybody ever do that? Right? No? Man, you guys are cheap. What's wrong with you? Anyway, so, so they did it. You know, this six-year-old did it, and uh, they had to go pull off to the side to get their food. And, and the lady comes out from McDonald's and goes, oh, I just want to let you know that it hasn't stopped. Everybody's paying for the person behind them, and it's been going on for, like, you know, 15 minutes or whatever. Um, but it's so easy to just kind of go along and feel like, man, I just want to kind of get through life, you know, and, and, and do I really want to step out, you know? And and I remember this youth conference I went to one time. There was this youth conference, and the, and the uh, title of the conference was, their theme was, Normal is Not Enough. And it's like, do you just want to be normal, or do you want to do something special? And the point was that everybody has to just step out and do something for God. Now, I want to be very clear. We don't want to be weird, right? And, and that's not what they were saying. They're not saying, you know, be that weird person that, you know, people look at and go, man, I am never going to do anything with Christianity because you're just too weird. We've seen those people. And, and I'm not judging them, but we don't need to be weird. But are we willing to step out and make a difference in this world? Are we willing to put ourselves a little bit out? And so let's, talk, let, let's look at some people, see if you know who they are. Um, anybody know who this is? Chris Pratt, right? Actor, right? He's been a Christian since he was a teenager. When he accepted his award at 2017 Teen Choice Award, he said, I would not be here with the ease and grace I have in my heart without my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. More recently, he wrote a sweet Instagram post for his fiance where he said he was proud to live boldly in faith. See, he's going, look, you know, I'm willing to step out and take the hassle from, you know, Holly Weird, right? And, and what's about this next one? Anybody know who this is? Stephen Curry, right? And, and he's an all, uh, NBA All-Star all and MVP. 
is a proud witness for God, passionate about building himself and others up in Christ. The Golden State Warrior was raised to believe in God and believes his purpose is greater than being a basketball star alone. That God is preparing him for an even bigger stage to be a witness for him. In an interview with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes magazine, Curry said that his faith identifies him more than his jersey. He goes, look, I want to be somebody for Jesus Christ, right? He goes, I'm going to step out. Okay, here's another one. I had to have a girl see if anybody knows who this is. What? Yeah, yeah, somebody said it. Uh, Gabby Douglas, gymnastic gold medalist. She was exposed to Christ at an early age, her mom encouraging her and her siblings to read the Bible and be strong in their faith. She carried that faith all the way to the Olympics and beyond. In an interview with the Huffington Post, she discussed how big a role faith played in her life. Say she doesn't know where she'd be without it today. She is motivated by scripture, using it to overcome circumstances and practice competitions and daily life. So, okay, three famous people, they want to make a difference. They're like, I'm going to step out, I'm going to, but none of us are, you know, Olympic athletes at least yet, or NBA all-stars, and I know some of you guys hope you will be, but, but can we do something? What can we do? So let's look at a couple people in the Bible, and these are actually very familiar stories, but we'll see how God used them. And we're going to start with Genesis 6, 7, and 8. And it says, and the Lord said, I will wipe out the human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them, but Noah found favor with the Lord. You guys know the story of Noah's Ark, right? And so here's God, man. He is so fed up with the human race. He's like, I'm getting rid of them. I'm starting over. I'm done. But then he sees Noah, and he finds favor with God. And, and it, so then he shows him grace. And I think this is important to think about. See, God knows who you are, and God knows if you're honoring him. And so even if you're not some, you know, NBA all-star or something who is out in the front and you do something small, God's going, yeah, you honored me, and I, he loves you for it, and um, you're blessing him for it, right? And, and when he says Noah found favor with the Lord, it's because he was blessing God by doing what God wanted. And so this is so important, you know, we always ask in prayer, we're always like, you know, bless Aunt Sally, bless so-and-so, right? You guys are with me, right? And how many times do you go, God, can I bless you? Right? We're thinking, well, there, he's God. What can I do? But see, it's super important that we, we pray that we'll be a blessing to God. Because he's our God, man. We should be doing that. And, you know, this is why, like, a lot of you guys who have been in classes, you know, like earlier where, where you were in my uh, youth group, I, I tend to pray before worship, God, let this worship be a blessing to you. See, so often we're focused on worship going, oh, God, bless me in this worship, which is so cool. There's nothing wrong with that. But you know what? I want my worship to be a blessing to God. And so we want to focus on blessing God, and we can make a difference in that. Noah, if he hadn't blessed God, he would have just got rid of the whole earth. So, you know, maybe you don't have the chance to save the whole earth, but, but he will give you ideas, uh, things to do. Or how about David and Goliath? You know the story. No one wanted to fight the giant. David didn't like that Goliath made fun of God. And that's actually where, if you read the story, David's there, and he's like, who is this guy that would make fun of my God? And, and he's like, I'm going to step up, and I'm going to fight him, because I'm going to put my trust in God. And so that's what he does. So here's a whole army of Israel, super afraid of this giant, and this little shepherd boy, you know. He, he steps up, and he goes, I'm going to go ahead and bring down this giant, because I trust God, and I can stand up against my enemies. And God will win. And so 
we're supposed to defend God as well. Have you ever stood up for God? I know a lot of you have, but have you ever defended him? It can be hard sometimes, right? You're in school or, or an adult like a teacher or somebody is just putting God down and you have to step up and you got, oh man, I'm, it doesn't even matter if I do this, right? It's, it's, you know, it's easy to just kind of hide in the background. And, and I'm not saying that you have to argue with every teacher who teaches you that, you know, evolution is true or whatever. You know, that's not the point. But there's times where you're going to have an opportunity to defend your faith. You're going to have an opportunity to defend God. And you need to be willing to be that person. And you might be the only person. Now, what's really cool, I, and I've shared this with you guys before. This, used to ha- this happened to me in work uh, a couple times. The first time I failed miserably, right? A uh, bunch of people at the table. I was really new at work. And they all start talking about how God's not real and a bunch of crazy Christians are running around. And I just kind of sat there and kind of hid, right? You don't have to, you know, I'm sure some of you have been in the same situation. I'm not the only uh, wimp in the world. But then there was another time where a guy started talking about God. And, again, it wasn't quite as many people, but it was still a lot of people at work in, at this table. And uh, I started defending the faith a little bit. And um, you know what God did? He brought somebody to sit down who heard the conversation. And he starts jumping in, defending the faith. Turns out he was a strong Christian, too. I didn't even know him. Well, I knew him, but I didn't know he was a Christian. And so we can make a difference. And I don't know whatever happened to that guy who, who I uh, was talking to. You know, he's, is he a Christian? I don't know. Is somebody else who was listening a Christian? I don't know. That's not the point. The point is we can make a difference by defending the faith. And God will use that. And you know, you'll see, you know, at some point in the future, you will know what difference you made as you step out. Keeping with David. You know, you know the story, David sins against Bathsheba, and the prophet Nathan has to come and call David out. He's going to come and tell David that he sinned against God. And if you know the story, David is there, and he's like not paying attention to God, and Nathan comes up, and he tells him a story about this mean guy who stole this poor farmer's lamb and, and killed it and all this other stuff. And David's like furious, and he goes, I'm going to take care of that guy. And Nathan goes, it's you. Think about it. King David, man, he could have said, kill this guy, right? So he had to step out. He had to step out and say, you know, look, and we see it in 2 Samuel. He goes, then Nathan said to David, you're that man. But then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you and you won't die for this sin. And so he, he did that. Well, let me ask you something. How does that relate to us? Well, could you actually help one of your friends stop sinning? Can we keep each other accountable? You ever notice it's easier not to sin when your friend's not sinning? How many of you know it's easier to sin when your friend is sinning, right? And so so we have to look at that. And and we can make a difference in this world just by the way we act day-to-day around people. And it might keep people from sinning, right? And I remember, you know, um, being at work years ago. And this guy walks into the back door, and, every, and a couple guys I was with, they're like, okay, let's make sure we don't cuss because, you know, Bob's a Christian, and we don't cuss around him. Well, you know what? I was a Christian, but they would never have said that about me, right? But see, just by his actions, he was keeping other people from sinning, whether they were Christians or not. And so if you're taking notes, um, you can make a difference by helping your friend to stop sinning. I think, I think it's great that we do accountability. We do the Monday discipleship. I, I really love it, and some of you guys are in it. But you know who's easier to t- sometimes be accountable to is your best friend, right? And you can just be like, look, man, if I start to do this, stop me, right? And I'm going to tell you, that's hard, right? Sometimes your friends just don't want to hear it. All right. 
Next story. So most of you know this. You know the boy with the bread and fish, right? Jesus is there. They have no food. And they look around and they find this boy with some food. And John 6, 9 says, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this large crowd? You know, I, this story always kind of gets to me because if I'm, I'm that boy, there is no way he knew Jesus was going to feed, you know, 5,000 people with this fish, right? I mean, there's just no way. So, so I'm trying to think what's going on in his mind. And I'm thinking, you know, he left that morning and his mom's like, yeah, here's some lunch for you. Make sure you take care of it and I want you to eat. And then he gets there and somebody's like, oh, we got no food. And he's like, well, I want to take care of Jesus. And so he says, okay, you know what, I'm going to give up my fish and my lunch for Jesus, thinking he was only going to help Jesus. But he ends up blessing thousands of people because we don't know what, that's okay, I do, I do that a lot. <laughs> Forget but he didn't know um, what God was going to do at the time. And see, so many times when we, we go to help somebody, we don't know what God's going to do with what we do. And, and sometimes you don't ever see anything. But there's other times where you're like, oh, wow, I can't believe that um, God did this. And, and I, I heard this story. You guys remember the tsunami in, in Japan, right? It took out a bunch of stuff and everything. Well, there's this town that got taken out by the tsunami. And um, a bunch of Christians were like, we heard, they heard this town was taken out. And they go, you know what? We're going to help dig out this town. I don't even believe they lived there. I think they were like from the neighboring town or whatever. And so anyway, they come out and they're digging out of the muck and everything else, right? This hard work and, and they're doing it. And, and I just wonder, like, when they were doing it, were they thinking, man, you know, this is a lot of mud. This isn't really going to help. And most of the houses were ruined and everything. Well, it turns out there was a rich guy who lived nearby. And he saw all these Christians doing that work. And he's like, what, what are they doing it for? So they explained it to him. And this guy's not a Christian, right? And, and uh, he's like, what, what, why did you do it? And they're like, oh, man, we just want to show the love of Jesus. So he ended up, with, he's really rich, he built a whole new town. And then he put a big old church right in the middle of it. And said, now you have a church. Go ahead and show this love of Jesus, right? And I'm sure they didn't see it. But see, when we do something, sometimes we can make a difference by giving of this, our time and money. And, and it always surprises us when, when uh, we do it. And, you know, sometimes it's like, well, you know, I really don't make enough money. How much can I help? But, you know, every little bit helps with whatever. And, I, look, I'm not saying give money to every single homeless person on the street, okay? Um, I don't do that. Now, sometimes God will go help that homeless person on the street, and I will do whatever. But, I mean, there's, there's a time and a place for it. But I think you need to be open to it. And I think sometimes, no offense, but I think teenagers sometimes hold on to their money tighter than adults, you know, only because they feel like, well, I don't have that much, right? And I might be wrong, but I know that's true in some. Um, and, then, and then time, you know, it, it's such a big difference what you can do with time. So um, one person can make a difference by giving. Now, here's a story that uh, you might not have thought about, but Jesus heals 10 leopards, and, and only one comes back. Check it out, Luke 17. It says, as he entered a village there, there, 10 lepers stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, uh, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God, he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. The man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Did I, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to, give God glory, uh, returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? 
And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. I love it. He praised God, right? Now, this is where, you know, when I teach this lesson, it's like, oh, I'm going to, like, challenge you guys to do praise and worship. But I got to tell you, man, your praise and worship was amazing, right? Uh, so many of you guys were focused on praise and worship. But how many of you know that as you praise and worship, if the person next to you is praising and worship, it's that much easier to get into praise and worship? Is anybody else like me? You know, it's the more somebody's doing praise and worship, the more I want to do praise and worship. It's contagious, right? And, and it's just, it's really cool. But sometimes you got to just go, is it supposed to be me who sings? Like, and, I, and you guys know it. I've said it multiple times. I sing like a cow. I have a terrible voice. But if, if nobody's singing, am I going to sing or am I going to go, oh, you know. Now, I'm not going to sing at the top of my lungs. I'm going to tell you. I, I haven't gotten that, that godly yet. But, because you probably kicked me out. But the point of it is, are you worshiping God or are you waiting for everybody else to worship God? And I think we need to worship God. And, and it can be hard sometimes, you know. You know, I, I, I remember... I went to a guest church one time, okay? And you guys know I like to lift my hands up. I like to praise and worship them, you know, and do all that. And I came to this guest church, and, and I'm listening to this worship, and it was an amazing worship. And, and I'm like about, I don't know, 10 rows back or whatever, so I don't know what's going on behind me, but nobody in front of me has got their hands up. And I just felt like I needed to raise my hands. It was like killing me, man. I'm like, try, and finally it's like, you know what? What are they going to do? Kick me out, right? And so I just started raising my hands up. Don't you know a bunch of people started raising their hands? And I, I, and I don't know this, and I'm not being prideful in this in any way. I don't know that there was people there who wanted to raise their hand, but they always like, well, nobody raises their hands in this church, right? I just don't know. But, but it was cool when that happened. And, and so I think that we need to do, make sure that we're worshiping, and as you're together, it's so powerful. Anybody ever been on a mission trip? Anybody ever been to a really cool conference where the, the worship was, like, really cool? I, don't know how, I, I missed this weekend, so. I assume it was fantastic. But um, you ever notice how powerful worship is on a mission trip? Like you'll talk to people. It's like, I've never worshipped so hard in my life. And I truly believe it's because everybody is focused on the same thing, which is worshiping and blessing God at that time. They're all going, yeah, this isn't about me, man. I just want to do what God wants me to do. I just want to praise and worship God. I just want to get into, into his presence. And I really feel that, um, you know, sometimes... People who don't want to worship actually bring down worship. And I used to say, and, and uh, I don't think we need to do it to, to, in this day because you guys worship so great, but I used to say that I wanted to have a worship night where you weren't allowed to come unless you got invited by somebody. And I only wanted people to come that wanted to get deep into worship so that nobody would put us down and nobody would hold us back. Because there's power in worshiping together. And so, just like this, this leper went forward and he worshiped, we need to worship. And, um, you know, if nobody else is, be the one to start, man. And, and if, you're, you know, if you're a hand raiser like I am, don't be afraid to do it. It's amazing. The first person raises their hand, a bunch of other people raise their hand. And if you're into it, you understand why. All right, so one person can make a difference by leading others into worship, and I don't mean the worship leaders up here on the stage, even though they're fantastic. They do that too. All right, Matthew 25. It says, For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you? 
or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it, when you did it to one of these, least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. See, we're supposed to help the unfortunate. And this is sometimes where it gets hard, right? It's like, okay, you know, there's a problem in the world. Um, you know, there's no fresh water in Africa in this one area. What could I actually do? Well, you know what? I had a kid one time start my, come up to my sixth grade class, and he starts telling me, he goes, Mike, you know that they need wells in Africa? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I heard that. He goes, yeah, I saw that, and so I decided to start building wells. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. You know, did you, did you raise enough money for a well? And I forget how much it was supposed to be. I think it was like, you know, $500 a well or something. And he goes, yeah, I raised $58,000. I was like, what? He goes, yeah, I built, and I forget how many wells he built. There's one little kid who was like, you know what? God told me to go build some wells, and I just raised the money for him. I mean, that's crazy, right? Um, and so God, God sometimes just makes a difference by helping that one person. And you just don't know how, when you help somebody, how that's going to affect them. You don't know what that does down the line. Is, you know, is it going to bring them closer to God, even if they're not a Christian? That's not the issue, right? So we might not be able to stop world hunger, but we can bless somebody with a meal or a present at Christmas time, right? You know, you always have the angel trees for the people in the church or uh, outside the church where they can't afford a present for their kids, man. You know, just go out and, you know, buy a present for them. Um, so there's easy ways. Or if you don't have any money, that's okay. How about taking the trash out for an old person when it's too heavy or, or mowing their grass, you know. Um, I, the, uh, I, I saw this one time with a friend of mine. He was mowing the grass. He realized his neighbor's grass wasn't mowed. He went and mowed them. And so they, st they start having like a battle. Who can mow the grass first for each other, right? But, but it's, it's so cool. We can do so many things. And, and there's so many ways that we can just make a difference in, a, in, in a somebody's life who's, who might just not have that interaction or whatever. And so we should pray for those opportunities. All right, last story. <coughs> Grab a drink real quick. I think you know this story. It's it, Philip's in Acts. So if you know the story, Philip is in, in this church. He has this great revival going. And God says, look, I want you to go walk into the desert. And so Philip goes, walks into the desert. And he meets this Ethiopian in a chariot. And he ends up leading the Ethiopian to Christ right there in the desert. And um, what's really cool is, you know, God left, let him out of this great revival that you would have thought he shouldn't have left. But he goes into the desert. And this guy is like the eunuch, is like a, a, a treasurer for this country of Ethiopia. So he's super important. And anyway, most people believe that that Ethiopian goes back to Ethiopia and starts this huge church that was in Ethiopia, you know, in years and years and years ago. And, and that that was the beginning of a revival in Ethiopia. And so nobody ever got a chance to go to Ethiopia, but Philip got to meet the guy on the road, taught him about Jesus Christ, and now you got this huge church in Ethiopia. And I think this is so cool because I, I, Philip didn't have a clue what happened, Right? I don't think Philip understood what he had done until he got to heaven and God showed him. And sometimes when you share your faith, you have no clue if it made a difference. And you can go, oh, man, I shared my faith and the guy didn't do anything. Or, you know, I, I just fell flat. And that's happened to me plenty of times. It's like, oh, man, I think I failed, you know. Um, I remember one time in Mexico, I went up to this guy. I really felt like God told me to go talk to him. And I go talk to him, and he's like, eh, no, I'm fine. And I prayed for him, and it was like, a, I failed that one. And, and so then right after that, Two sixth graders and a seventh grader walk up to him, and the next thing I see him, he's crying, and they're handing him a Bible, and I'm like, oh, man, check it out. So I figured I prepped it. You know what I mean? 
So I, I don't know. But, but we don't know what happens when you do something like this. You don't know how you're going to affect somebody's life. And, and, and I, I may have shared this with you guys. I don't remember, but I tend to tell stories over and over again. But anyway, uh, I remember this one youth conference where they had like a drama, right? And there was this guy and this girl, and the one girl loved to tell about Jesus. She was telling everybody about Jesus all the time. And the other guy, he was kind of a weak Christian, and, and he told one kid about Jesus. And so during the conferences, they're doing things. All of a sudden, it was really cool. Lights start flashing, and they start booming it through the speakers, and it was supposed to be Jesus coming, right? And, and so all of a sudden, this voice comes out of the speakers, and it's like, you know, to the girl, Emily, it's like, Emily. And he starts telling Emily all the people she saved. And the dude, whatever his name is, he's standing there going, Oh, man, what is he going to do when, when he gets to me? Man, I never, I, man, I, told, I told that one guy about him, but, but, oh, man, I feel so bad. And so he's talking to her in this drama, right? And so then God gets on there, and it's like, you know, they call him Jack. Hey, Jack. And he goes, because of you, 500 people are going to heaven. And he's like, what? He goes, see, you told that one person who got super saved and decided to tell three people, who decided to tell three other people, who just, you know what I'm saying, right? And it just goes down the line. And here's the thing I'll tell you, as you step out in faith, whether you see it here on earth or not, when you get to heaven, there's going to be a day when you're in heaven and you're going to look and go, man, God used me. At least that's my prayer, right? And, and if you step out, but you've got to step out and do that. And, and when I, I think about it sometimes, I'm like, how cool is that going to be, Right? How cool is it going to be to go to heaven and you're going to see people and they're going to go, man, do you remember when you said this to me? And you're like, no. And it's like, that changed my life. Give me another story. Anybody ever hear the Bible man? Bible answer? No. Yeah, Bible, yeah, Bible man, right? Wore a cape and everything, right? You know what I'm talking about? Well, you know, he came here once, right? And it used to be really popular. Anyway, um, his, his name in real life was Willie Ames. And he, does his, he did his testimony. This is like 20 years ago. And he did his testimony. And his testimony was, so Willie Ames was an actor. And he was pretty, making pretty good money in Hollywood, right? And he'd been in a bunch of movies and stuff. And he was also a cocaine addict. And he hated life. And he felt like life had just passed him down by. And it was worthless. And he says, you know, he goes, I decided I'm done. And so he gets on this mountain. And he's looking at the cliff. And he's high as a kite. And he's going, I should just step off the cliff. I'm done. Why should I keep living? And he goes, it was so crazy. He goes, all of a sudden, in the back of my mind, I heard my second grade Sunday school teacher go, Willie, Jesus loves you. And he goes, in the back of my mind, I'm like, what? Why am I remembering that now? And he says, I couldn't get it out of my mind. Willie, Jesus loves you. And he goes, I decided before I jump off the cliff, I'm going to go find out if that's true. And so then he went out, and he becomes a super strong Christian, and then he became Bible man, right? I mean, it was crazy. Um, I do think he struggled after that, but, you know, no judgment on him, but um, in case you ever heard that. But, but the difference is, and the point is, man, that, that second grade Sunday school teacher has no clue what she did to his life, right? I mean, some of you guys help out in Sunday school class, or Awanas, or whatever we call it, right? And you're like, oh, I just hang out with the second graders. You don't know what you're doing. You could be changing somebody's life. So one person can make a difference sharing their faith. So, you know, as I was thinking about this, what would Jesus say if he just started hanging out with you one day and started walking side by side with you and he got into your classrooms and you got into your school and he sees all the garbage that's going on and the people being stupid and he sees that and then you guys leave and you get, you know, off the bus and you're walking in the neighborhood and you're seeing a bunch of guys and girls and the language is bad and, and everything else is going. You think God, Jesus is going to be like pointing out to you? 
You see that guy? Man, he's, he's pretty nasty, man. What's wrong with him? See, I don't think Jesus is going to say that. I think if you were walking down the street in your neighborhood with Jesus, Jesus would be going, you know, the harvest is ripe. And if you guys know the Bible, that comes from the book of John where he says, there's a bunch of people out there who need to know about Jesus Christ. Who's going to tell them? And look, I'm not saying I'm a great evangelist, man, and, and I've shared this with you. I, I, I do not do well one-on-one. I've been praying for, for boldness. I've been praying for a more desire because we've got to do that. We're not, not many people just want to walk up to a stranger and start talking about Jesus Christ. And it might not have to be a stranger. It could be your friends. But here's the thing is somebody's got to talk to them because they're not in this church. And, and I remember I was at a church one time that was falling apart, and, and I remember a bunch of the people, and they were like, well, who's going to, like, bring people into the church? You know, the pastor just quit. The pastor isn't bringing people into this church. You guys have to bring the people into this church. Bring your friends, man, and, and you know, let God take care of it. Now, there's one last area I want to talk about that I think is so important in this world today, and that's bullying. So many kids feel left out. Nobody's nice to them. You know, you got it online. You got it all over the place. You know, as a Christian, you can make a difference, man. If you're the Christian who is willing to go and maybe get bullied yourself, but to step up and help out the kid who, who's being, you know, picked on, right? Or, or even just the shy kid, right? If there's somebody who doesn't have any friends, and maybe they're a little weird, okay. Can you hang out with a little weird kid a little bit for Jesus? You know what I'm saying? You need to think about it, right? Um, and, and, uh, you know what's the number one reason? I know most of you guys know this, but what's the number one reason people stop going to youth group? Anybody know? They didn't talk to anybody. Nobody talked to them. That's the number one reason. It's in study after study after study. Oh, I went to youth group, and yeah, the pastor said hi, tried to get to know my name, and, and then nobody talked to me. And it happens over and over and over again. And you know what's really weird? You may think you have a very friendly youth group, but you're not the person standing on the outside that nobody's talking to. And, and I remember I had a very small youth group growing up. We were only like maybe 10 kids, but we had grown up from like seven all the way up into high school, right? And I remember this girl moved into our church. Our church didn't grow very fast. But this girl moved in, and one time we were having this conversation about this, and she was part of our youth group now. She was like really popular and everything. She goes, oh, getting into your youth group was the hardest thing I ever did. And we're like, What? She goes, no, you guys were such good friends. You'd think you were, like, friendly to me, but, like, you'd say hi, and then you go with your friends and talk to somebody. So you've got to be intentional. If you want to make a difference in this world, you've got to be intentional, and you've got to go, where is it that I can make a difference? And, God, who do you want me to talk to, and who can I help out? And then you go, oh, I really don't want to help that person out because then I'll get picked on. And Jesus goes, you know what? I got picked on for you. Something to think about. But bullying, uh, if you're a Christian and you're the bully, man, I don't even want to talk to you. Because there's never an excuse for a Christian to be a bully, ever. And people who are alone and, and don't have friends, they should be able to find friends in this youth group. And, you know, um, I used to have a kid, he would look for new students. And he'd go, hey, you're new. And the kid, you know, said, yeah, well, won't you some, come sit with me? And he'd introduce them to all his friends. That's what we need, right? All right, so I skipped one really good story. I'm going to throw it out there now. But y'all probably know the story of Queen, Queen Esther. How many of you guys like the story of Queen Esther? So many people usually say that's one of their favorite stories. Okay, okay. If you know the story of Queen Esther, she put her life on the line for God and her people. And there's a super cool verse that says, if you keep quiet at a time like this, 
Deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. What's so cool about that verse, he said, God's going to take care of it whether you do it or not. You know, I think about that like when we go to uh, mission trips. It's like, if we go on that mission trip, God's going to bless us. We're going to lead all these people to Christ. You know, if we didn't get to go on the mission trip like we didn't this year, you think there's people in Mexico who didn't get to know Jesus because we didn't show up? No, God will take care of it. But what we lost was us doing it for him. And so maybe you're here for a time like this. What are you here for? Because I guarantee you're here for a reason. God put you in this place today in, this, in your life to make a difference, and we can all make a difference. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just, um, I thank you for this youth group. This is just a, to me, this is such a powerful youth group, and, and Jackson and I always talk about how, how awesome it is and how so many people in this room just love you. But God, I just pray you will give us that desire to do more, that desire to step out, that desire uh, to bless you and honor you and, and help other people out. Maybe we can't change millions of people's lives, God, but let us just change one or two. And I just pray you'll open up those doors for us and that you'll guide us on that. And I just um, pray that um, as we finish up with worship, Lord, that we will just be contagious in our worship, blessing you for who you are. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to know more about The Bridge, please follow us on Instagram at wearethebridge. Also, if you need prayer, feel free to send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.